This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by tanking. I know what you're thinking. I need a tank. Well, luckily, the New York Rangers can provide you with that ability. If you need a Nick Holden to help drive your tank, we've got your back. And also, this episode is brought to you by Nooses, for obvious reasons. Okay, let's get it started. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I have glass in my foot. Greg, say hello. It's not the worst thing that's happened this week. No, no, I mean, it's pretty minuscule compared to the rest of my Rangerstown-based week. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it was pretty, pretty pretty bad. Well, let's look at the bright side, Spin Zone. Spin Zone, Uh, spin it. If you were looking to tank, and you were like, hey man, I want that first pick, we're getting closer. Mm -hmm. Every mm-hmm. single game, mm-hmm. we're getting closer. Sure. At, at um, this rate, if we play the same way we played this week, we might never win again. Okay. Well, why don't we go over the uh, the positives? Because I feel like that's going to be quick. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to just no, throw I'll some let you at go. you. I'll let you go. Yeah, first. <laughs> I'm just going to throw some at you. You say agree or disagree. Okay. Uh, Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, both helping their trade stock. Oh, very much so. Uh, more than I could have ever expected out of both of them, actually. Okay. Uh, John Gilmore, he looks like a keeper. I was surprised by John Gilmore being relatively unknown beforehand and now kind of showing he might stick around. Yeah, I like him. Uh, speaking of like him, Neil Pionk, I like him. Can I just like make a delicious cake eating noise here? Where I go nom, 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 nom. Yeah, the two of them. Pretty, pretty good. Um, Ryan, I might be out. I think oh, that might be well, it. There's one more. Our, our Russian more. son has returned and he is, he has. He, he is a beautiful boy. Uh, you know what? I had a lovely time on Thursday with some of our now closest friends. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, but we'll get let's get to the quick game recap. Let's do this. Okay. We lost. It's, it's quick. <laughs> we it's lost quick. every fucking game. We didn't uh, get a point. Tuesday. We went over. Tuesday. Uh, well, tell me if you see a trend here. Tuesday, we played the Shut Wild. Up. We lost 3-2. Eric Stahl scores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Then, on Thursday, we play the Islanders. We get shut out, but, but Greg, we mm. shoot... 50 times on goal. I had no idea. I was blind. Well, there's no a idea. reason you had no idea. Um, then Saturday, we go up against, uh, that was the Ottawa game, right? That De- sure was. Derek Broussard scores. Hmm. He does. How about hmm. that? Hmm. Hmm. Well, how? And then all of a sudden, go ahead the next day on a, on a back-to-back. Sure. And, you know, Hank, just back in the goal. Yep. Well, you know, Ryan, I mean, uh, our our other goalie alexander the not so great apparently uh he had the flu on saturday and then was healthy enough sunday to sit on the bench but apparently not healthy enough to play well we said halverson down so right our emergency goalie who got all of like 15 minutes of action against the senators because i i don't i don't know uh, so then the Flyers beat us 7-4. That's been your quick green recap brought to you by Nooses. Nooses, don't do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nooses by the neck. Yeah, seriously. Nooses, the original necktie. Fruit by the foot for adults. <laughs> all, right. all right, I don't know, don't know where I'm going. The pain ends quickly, we think. No. We have no way to verify. Nooses can't verify. I wrote my thesis on suicide prevention. If you need help, call the suicide hotline seriously. I'm not kidding. All right. Nooses, Brooks was here. Oh, my God. Larry Brooks was here. <laughs> all these Ranger puns. Jeez. Now, wow. this team sucks. I think that's clear. Yep, not great, Bob. 
the trend is that former Rangers always score against us. That'll always happen till the end of time. No, that's because everyone at this point is going to be a former Ranger. And someone has to score against us. That's true. Let This is the last week you and I will talk before the trade deadline. We're doing it. Uh, our regular... Oh, might not be. Is it? Monday might night? Might not be. Next Monday is the trade deadline, is it? Sure. If there's a trade between now and Monday, we're podcasting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll pod. No so doubt. then we might not be the last time we talk before Monday. Oh, well, that's a fair point. But Ooh. we'll do an emergency podcast. But next week I'll be in Chicago, so we'll be doing some sort of emergency riffraff. Uh for our regular scheduled programming. So stay tuned for that. Sure. We haven't missed a podcast since we started, except one fiasco. So, uh, yeah, well, pod- we definitely podcasted. It just wasn't able to upload. No, it it was, it was able to upload. It just was not good. Mm. And by was not good, I mean, unlistenable and all the tracks didn't work out. Anyway, it hasn't happened since cross your fingers. It's totally happening this week. Totally. Couldn't not, not happen. So no. let's talk about the kind of topic that's been dominating Rangers media these last two days. And I think that is the hate, or the unnecessary hate, that Henrik Lundqvist is receiving at this point in time. Yes, he let in six goals on Saturday. I don't think that's correct. He, did Halverson let in goals? Sorry, I forgot, because I was too busy watching a slot. I, I, blocked, I blocked out of my I, head. I blacked out. And then, legitimately. And then Sunday, uh, Hank again, seven goals. So, of course this is a bad stretch for Hank, but you have to look at what he's done over a career and all these people that are just all of a sudden turning on Hank, who's given you everything, who's given you everything over, over the past, it's well, his entire fucking career. And then all of a sudden he's got two bad games had carried this team this season so far beforehand. And you look what we, we just phrased the defense in front of him, but we didn't phrase Nicole. We phrased the young defenseman that we called up for giving sort of life and rejuvenation and potential but they're still not great defensemen. It's still they have a lot of learn learn to go. Hank, even in the interview he gave after the Flyers game, probably if you want to cry, you should watch it. It's uh, very reminiscent of the start of Up, where Hank is crying and uh, not crying, but on the verge of tears and saying how disappointing he, this loss was and how we're, they're taking a lot of breakaways uh, and two on ones and it's really not going well. And, and he's very frustrated. Thing is, I can't blame him. The team literally gave out a letter that said, "Hey, we're probably tanking." Why would he, why, you know, how, it's really hard to be in that mindset at that time. So now Rangers Twitter and Rangers Universe is pretty much like, hey, I paid money to see Hank. He should give me his best performance. Do you think he's not trying? Or you could, do you think he's out there being like, you know what? I'm mailing it in. Because I have a feeling a guy that competitive is not doing that. I honestly can't believe you're even asking. It's kind of insulting that you're asking. Uh, Hank doesn't give a fuck about any letter. And to blame the Rangers performance on this letter is more an indictment against, once again, the coaching staff than it is against anybody else. These players should have enough pride in their own game to go out every night and prove that rebuild or no rebuild, these guys are playing for jobs. They need to be able to prove that not just a job on the Rangers, but guys like Nash and Grabner, they're playing for other teams to take notice and maybe go on a Stanley Cup run. Nick Holden is playing for his next contract or – Something. Um, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. These guys, all these guys are playing for something. Just because the Rangers aren't going to win a Stanley Cup this year doesn't mean this team isn't playing for something. Brady Shea has to play for his next contract. He's got an. Ex- he's got a possibly long-term extension coming up this winter uh, or summer, I should say. If he wants big money, he needs to go out there and play it. Tony D'Angelo is playing for a roster spot, basically, in whatever the next system the Rangers have Neil Pionk and John Gilmore are playing for roster spots and they're playing well. Mika Zibanejad is playing to prove that the Rangers don't need to go out 
and get another center. Kevin Hayes playing for a contract. JT Miller playing for a contract. These guys want to play. I, I don't think that's the problem. I think I, – I, I don't know. Well, the problem is the Rangers' defense is just on bare bones. And if you want anything to summarize how this Rangers weekend went, all you need to see is you weren't watching the game. On, uh, on a fast break, Tony D'Angelo is back defending a 2-1-1. I watched the highlights. And yeah. Nick Holden is rushing back on the back check. And D'Angelo clearly points out Claude Giroux and is like, hey, man, over there, I need you to get him. And Nick Holden either somehow either doesn't see the point, which I think is impossible, or ignores the point and doesn't do what D'Angelo asks him to do, leaves Giroux wide open on the slot, nobody in front of Hank, and Drew, the elite scorer that he is, slots at home. The fuck you think Claude Giroux is going to do there? <laughs> like, what? what is that play, Nick Holden? What are you doing? That That is the encapsulation of Nick Holden's time as a New York Ranger in a nutshell. Now, I will say all this. Nick Holden has played some bad games as a New York Ranger. I think Sunday was his worst. That's a even then, call. Even then, um, we saw what the Capitals gave up today for a glorified third-pairing defenseman, which was a third-round pick. Nick Holden is going to bring back a third- or fourth-round pick in a trade. So what? I am super excited to still trade him. I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled. Are you surprised that the Rangers haven't made a move yet? Or are they just no, gauging the market as, as long as they can? Don't even think it was a gauging the market kind of move. Uh, the Rangers played four games in six days. They had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. That, that's six days, they, Greg. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they, played, they played four games in six days. They needed bodies for them. I would be – I wouldn't be surprised. I would be disappointed. The Rangers don't play again until Thursday. If the Rangers don't make at least two moves between now and Thursday – uh, that is a cause for alarm, if you ask me. I'd be surprised if they waited till Monday. I'm kind of sort of sitting here thinking there's there's no way they'd do that. The only guy I think might still be a Ranger on Monday that could still be moved is McDonough. I think the Rangers will wait until the very last moment to trade Ryan McDonough. Uh, I expect Nash and Grabner. I, I expect Holden to be the first to go because I think he's the easiest to move. Um, I expect Nash and Grabner gone well before Monday. Uh, now, I didn't ignore your first point, which was uh, fan base turning on Henrik Lundqvist. First and foremost, fan base is not turning on Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, I would say 90% of Ranger fans understand what Henrik Lundqvist is, understand what Henrik Lundqvist was, and understand what this guy means to the New York Rangers franchise. Uh, they understand he is a top five goalie, not just in Rangers history, but of all time. I think the majority of fans understand that this is the best player to ever put on a Rangers jersey. They understand that his number is going into the Raptors the day after he retires, whenever that will be. And they understand that if Henrik Lundqvist wants to be a New York Ranger for the rest of his career, not only is that his goddamn right to be able to do that, uh, he's going to do that. And they're going to be perfectly fine with it. You're more, more than half the fan base is only angry about this New York Rangers season because it's another year off of Henrik Lundqvist's cup chances. I think that's why most fans were so reluctant to rebuild. I don't think, I think if Henrik Lundqvist wasn't the Rangers goalie, a rebuild would be a lot easier to digest. But Lundqvist is, and he's special, and he's going to remain special until the day he retires. Um, now, 
Ryan, this is the world we live in. And I feel like I've said that multiple times before. This um, is the world we live in. Something, something in this world has drastically changed in the era of Twitter, where um, fucking morons feel like they have a voice. And Greg, 2008, they feel since 2018. Come on, man. Don't call them morons. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, Donald Trump voters feel like oh they have Oh, my God, a... Greg. Relax. <laughs> um, relax. No, 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 no. These, these, here's the problem. These guys have always existed, but well, they've you're, you're shut talking... the fuck up for a very long time. Um, oh, you want me to name names? Because I can just pull up Twitter no, accounts. No, we, know, we all know who they are. It's Breitbart Rangers. But they, they're not even – they're just doing – It's not it. even them, dude. It's the fucking NYC, the douchebag. Yeah, of course. We knew that. It's it's um, – it's unreal. It, it really is. I don't understand why these people exist. I don't understand why these people are Ranger fans. I don't understand why these people don't find something better to do with their lives or their time. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mindset, Ryan, that I, I cannot relate to. I cannot mentally get into their shoes. It's, it's kind of like it's the in- Skip Bayless of Rangers Twitter. They know what they're saying is wrong, but they're going to say it anyway? Mm, no, because I think... I think if you got into an honest conversation with Skip Bayless, I think he – this is going to sound weird. I think he knows what he's doing. I kind of agree. I, I think he's being a bit um, radical in order to try and start a conversation. These guys aren't trying to start a conversation. These uh, fucking jamokes are saying shit that is just blatantly not true. To blame Henrik Lundqvist for the fact that during his tenure – the Rangers haven't won a Stanley Cup is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my goddamn life. And I've heard a lot of dumb things. Yeah, you hang out with me. Yeah, my mom doesn't know how to say the word refrigerator. I've grown up with that woman. I didn't know I've that your mom it. didn't know you had a podcast until recently. <laughs> she still doesn't. And, and after saying that, she still won't. That's great. Um, she also doesn't know how to say stolen. She says stoled. She has a D on there for no reason. Basically, I love my mom. She is just a wonderful woman. But the words that come out of her mouth sometimes defy the English language. Over the summer, anyway, watch out, what for, I'm watch saying out is, for a Blue Shirts Breakaway Momcast. It's going to happen. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> what I'm saying is these – the I'm not even going to call them fans, Ryan. I'm barely going to call them people. They are just – I I don't have – I don't understand them. Why are you a fan of this hockey team if that's how you feel about the greatest player to ever f- play in this for this fucking franchise? I, I, I don't understand the mindset. That's like saying, um, boy, I'm Christian, but that Jesus, fuck him. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good point. He yeah. is. Why would you be Christian if you think Jesus was just a, an idiot or bad <laughs> at what he did? You want it, right? Like, there'd be no point. That's literally the entire point of the religion. I don't know much about religion, but I'm pretty sure the one thing all Christians have in common is like, hey, that Jesus guy, he was up to something. That That's is, Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist is Jesus Christ. Of the Rangers. He's the greatest thing that has ever happened to the New York Rangers. And there is a portion of this fan base that is growing. I'm not saying it's growing larger. I'm saying it's growing louder. And it's growing louder because they're trying to seize on an opportunity. And I'm here to say that opportunity does not exist. It doesn't exist. It'll never exist. I'm not going to allow it to exist. If you want to come in my mentions or your mentions or any Ranger fans' mentions or even beat reporters' mentions and say shit like, um, Henrik Lundqvist is holding this team back. He's keeping this team down with his contract. He's doing all this stupid shit. Don't have time for it. I'm going to tell you how little time I have for it because I'm just going to call you a fucking moron. 
I'm not going to engage you in conversation. I'm not going to engage you in debate. There is no debate. The debate is you're a dumbass and someone gave you the internet. And that is a goddamn shame to the internet. That is a goddamn shame. Listen, there's, I just don't, I can't grasp a situation where Henrik Lundqvist is an issue or ever was an issue with his team. And I will never get it. I think that's the final word. Never was. The Rangers, the Rangers, whatever playoff success the Rangers have enjoyed has been on the back of Henrik Lundqvist. All those two to one hockey games the Rangers have won over the years, it's not because their defense has played stellar. It's because Henrik Lundqvist has been a goddamn brick wall between those pipes. That's exactly it. I wanted to talk to you very quickly about the possibility of moving JT Miller now. Do you think that's even in the air? I think it's in the air. I absolutely do. Because that's so something we've, this di- we've discussed before, back and forth about Hayes yeah, and before, JT. Before the Hank stuff really came to the forefront and really took our attention off of everything else that was going on with the New York Rangers, which again is a shame. It's, it's, it's perfect 2018 distraction by instead of focusing on the thing you should be focusing on, just making a lot of noise in the corner and forcing people to focus on, focus on that instead. Um, God, it's so similar to other shit going on in this country that it's unbelievable. Anyway, focusing on the Rangers. Hey, Greg, stick to sports, man. (laughs) Trying to, man. A little hard fucking life out there these days. I know you work work in news. Stick to sports. uh, I don't want to talk about it. I know. Me either. JT Miller. JT Miller. Here is a perfectly reasonable position you can have about JT Miller. And I, I I tried hard to remind people that this is how I actually feel about him because I feel like I saw some people subtweeting me, putting words in my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. JT Miller is an exceptionally talented offensive winger. He's going to have defensive zone lapses, but those lapses on a good hockey team are something you can live with because what he's going to give you offensively on a nightly basis is rare among players his age. This is a 25-year-old winger who is on the verge of having his third straight 40-point season and likely his second straight 50-point season. Secondary assists or not, points are fucking points. They are. And JT Miller puts points on the board. With that said, you can also feel at the exact same time that it's worth the Rangers not just time – but it's worth the conversation with other teams to see if a team would be willing to give you enough future assets to move someone like JT Miller. We've, we've talked about it on this podcast before that the Rangers have about $23 million in cap space coming up next year. And it might actually be close to the 30 when you account for the jump that is expected in the salary cap itself. Even with all that budget room, this team has, to re-sign or, or extend, I should say, Jimmy Vesey, Brady Shea, Kevin Hayes. If he's here, JT Miller. Uh, this team needs to, well, if if Rick Nash and Michael Grabner are gone, they need to address their wing situation outside of JT Miller. They would need it to add seriously at least Seriously feels like wings. Rick Nash is coming back, by the way. That's really what it feels even like. If, even if he does, you still need to account for another hole on the wing. That you need to fill in some way, shape, or form, a la Ilya Kovalchuk, I think. You have to address your defense once again, especially if Ryan McDonough is not here. You can't just, as much as I love the kids, you can't just have Kevin Shattenkirk and the kids running the defense next year. You've got to bring a veteran in after that. 
the Rangers have a lot of holes to fill. And the Rangers have also proven that the talent they currently have on their roster is not necessarily working. I think a big part of that is the defense. Yes. a, A big part of that is defense. Absolutely. I'm not here to say otherwise, but the Rangers have only so many players on their roster that they can legitimately consider trading right now, whose value is at its, I would say it's peak. Chris Kreider's value is not at his peak. No, it is um, not. Nika Zabinijad's like value probably close to its peak, but that's a guy you just signed to a five-year extension. I don't think you're necessarily looking to move him. Zabinijad is not moving. I think that's clear. Kevin Shattenkirk, not at his peak. Also, um, also not moving. Jimmy VC not at his peak. There are two guys whose play is really at their peak offensively right now, and that's Kevin Hayes and JT Miller. And if you're going to make a decision between Kevin Hayes and JT Miller, I think Kevin Hayes is more important to this team's long-term future. Well, do you, I, I think that's pretty obviously because it's year. going to be the center play. Our center play has been, other than Zabinichad and, and Hayes, it's been not really the best. No, and I, it's irresponsible to think, first of all, that both Philip Heedle and Leah Anderson's long-term success is at center. I think one of, those, one of them is, and it's probably Heedle. I think Anderson's long-term future with the New York Rangers is on a wing, and it's probably playing alongside someone like Kevin Hayes. JT Miller is a exceptionally talented offensive winger. Don't you feel like that lowers, saying- lowers Anderson's value a lot, by the way? No, I mean, it's still an 18-year-old who could put up points. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I, I just if, feel like you drafted him to be a center. This way. Go on. It, Leas Anderson might be a winger for the Rangers. He might be a center for someone else. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. That's like saying uh, uh, baseball analogy. Glaber Torres might be a second baseman for the New York Yankees. He might be a shortstop for someone else. That value is still there. Ugh. Not right. to get off, not to get off track, not right. to get off track. Right. JT Miller, again, I'm not saying wingers that can score at the rate JT Miller scores grow on trees. What I will say is they're easier to find than shutdown centers, which is what Kevin Hayes is becoming. We, we, I mean, just look at, look at this. You see how much this team has missed someone like Derek Stepan. Uh, a lot. Yeah. A ton. I don't, I don't think you can make that mistake twice in two seasons. You have to keep your centers. If you let Hayes go, it's really bare bones and because of Inerjet. Right. And it's not a it's not a case of the Rangers letting anyone go. We're talking about the Rangers exploring trade markets for guys that are under team control beyond next year. But it is a lot more valuable to trade someone like JT Miller now or before the NHL draft because the acquiring team may want to negotiate his next contract as opposed to letting the Rangers do it. There's value, there's value in that in sports. Miller's next contract, whether negotiated by the Rangers or another team, could be the exact same. But the acquiring team may feel more in control about how that negotiation is going to go if they can control it from day one. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is by acquiring him before that conversation even starts. And I don't personally expect the Rangers to trade JT Miller. Uh, I don't think we've gotten any in- indication that he's one of the guys on the table. I think it's pretty clear the guys on the table are the three UFAs yep. and Ryan McDonough. I, I honestly haven't even heard that much about Zook. I was going to say, I haven't heard not one rumor about Zuccarello. Um, Zook, I still think, might be a draft day trade. I don't think he's necessarily off the block. I just think with the amount of wingers on the block, 
the Rangers would rather focus on moving Nasher Grabner first and foremost. And that just but, makes sense. I mean, you have more time to move Zuccarello. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not, again, not if, that I ever want to leave, miss him. Like I no, really don't. But want again, him to go. this goes back to if the Rangers move guys like Ryan McDonough and Matt Zuccarello, you have to go out and get replacements for him. And it's not just the players you'll be receiving back via trade. You'd have to reinvest into this roster because the Rangers have no interest in this being a long rebuild. The Rangers want to be competitive when the puck drops on the 2018-19 season. And they can be. They absolutely can be. But they will have conversations about JT Miller. And just because they're having conversations about JT Miller doesn't mean that JT Miller is bad or that JT Miller can't help the Rangers long term. It's more about the Rangers understanding where they need to invest their future capital. And if it means moving someone like JT Miller to bring in more young talent to rejuvenate this roster, yeah, they're going to think about it. And they might do it if the right offer comes along. Here's the thing, Ryan, I don't think the right offer is going to come along. Because I think it's going to take an awful lot to get JT Miller. It probably will. Today we're going to finish up our trade Sort of, play, you know how we've been playing GM these last couple weeks. We're going to finish that up. We're going to talk to the Bruins and the Jets. Our last week before the trade deadline, we're going to head to those two interviews now. And we're going to come back, do some "Who the F is Blue Shirts Breakaway," which I don't know what story I'll tell at this point in time. And then we'll, I want to talk about some baseballs because we like to do some nonsense at the end. And then we'll end the podcast. That'll be it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Transition. We're back with our first interview of the day. We have Moret Atesh. Oh, he's a Jets columnist for The Athletic, who seem to be coming on our podcast a lot these days. Say hello. Hello to the great world of Ranger World. Hi. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. We've been sort of doing a GM session these past uh, three weeks where we were talking to other teams about prospects they don't want to give up for people we don't want to trade, uh, but we probably should. And we've come to the conclusion that no one wants to trade anybody, so we brought you on to see if we could change that. <laughs> yeah, I'm well. Um, I'm ready to have my arm twisted. Right, for sure. Let's start with the the biggest person on the trade market, uh, and that would be Rick Nash. Tell me if the Jets have any interest in Rick Nash whatsoever. I sincerely cannot imagine that the Jets go for Rick Nash. I think they're looking a little bit more at play drivers than, than pure finishers right now just because of some of the young talent that they have on their roster. Um, they have the room. They have uh, they have cap space. They have uh, they have budget and everything like that. But I I haven't heard even a whisper that that he's one of the guys they're after. We're off to a really no. hot start. <laughs> well, I want to I want to I want to jump in. You wrote a fantastic article on the Athletic that's been passed around not just Jet circles but also Ranger circles, uh, where you did in depth work, and I mean in depth work, trying to identify not only what players could help the Jets on the blue line but how someone like Ryan McDonough might secretly be the guy the Jets should go all in for. So I, I kind of want you to talk to us about that article and how McDonough might play up in Winnipeg. For sure. Well, you guys would know Ryan McDonough inside and out. And, uh, you know, what I was finding was the types of role he's played for the Rangers, big minute eater, um, surprisingly tough matchups based on what I was finding and his, his possession rates aren't as immediately jump off the sheet impressive as some of the big fish that you might hope for. But the thing that I seem to find, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is he's often been pa- paired with uh, Nick Holden this year and, and Dan Girardi for a long time. And 
those guys are not possession drivers and historically Girardi Good. himself has uh, has given up a fair bit so in my attempt to separate that out I found that McDonough is very probably the real deal somebody who's been counted on for almost top pairing equivalent minutes and difficulty of minutes but I think the Jets could slide him right nicely into a top four role and just see him excel so you said Dan Girardi and Nick Holden didn't have the best possession numbers but what you meant was our total garbage fires so that was nice of you i appreciate that um oh, canadian politeness yeah that's what it is yeah we, you know in new york we kind of call it like it is they're garbage anyway um well you know what dan is a good guy we'll get into that uh listen so ryan mcdonald could play on the second line for you guys i feel like that would be a place he would excel for you for your team yeah, and that's exactly sort of the vision that I was trying to lay down for for the Jets in, in that deep dive was that um, Jake uh, Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey are their de facto number one pairing, and Truba's injured right now on the right side, but they're expecting to have him well in advance of the playoffs. So those two young, talented guys have played the tough minutes all season long and have done better than anybody else on the Jets team. I would see them being essentially untouched. I would not want Jake Truba to come off the injured reserve and onto a new partner. So what that leaves is that McDonough could be playing with a guy as good and impactful as Dustin Bufflin, which I imagine is a step up from your Nick Holmes and Dan Girardi's of the world. And that's why I think that it's a move ideally suited for a team like Winnipeg because they'll get a huge amount of bang for their buck from a guy like that. I will say the one thing I think your article got some flack for and guilty myself because I was one of the people that chimed in on it on The Athletic. You said it would take a first and second round pick to get Ryan McDonough. And I was pretty quick to be like, uh, nope. Um, so we started talking. We've been talking to people about guys that we personally like that we would love to get. But I'm curious. The rumor that is really stuck with Ryan McDonough is if, if he's going to a team like the Bruins, and we're actually going to talk with a Bruins writer in a little bit on the podcast, the Rangers have been asking for someone like the Brusque, for Ryan Donato, for, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's Vakaninen, their first round pick from last year. Great job. Those are the kind of the players the Rangers are looking for in return. Do the Jets have anyone that could come on that level that you think they'd be even willing to discuss? Yeah, and fair point. You said that you guys tell it like it is, and I think that the first and a second price as a gross underpayment was an example that needed to be told like it was. Um, So digging into the Jets, one of the things that they have a unique strength in is impact offensive prospects that are just sort of at the cusp of the NHL level. Um, One guy who's getting lost in the weeds in Winnipeg right now is Nick Patan, who's been playing on a fourth-line role despite going way above a point per game at 22 in the AHL. And he's got NHL equivalencies way back from junior days saying he's an impact offensive guy. Um, But because he's buried beneath other top prospects on the Jets organization, like Jack Roslovic and Kyle Connor, both of the U.S. program, um, that are having a huge impact, I think his only sin is that he's buried behind people who the Jets prioritize higher. Um, and is a, he's looking to be, I think he's somebody who somebody's, a team is going to take from Winnipeg's roster and you're immediately going to have Jets fans being like, why did we let him go? Because the increased minutes is going to see his production go up. Um, similarly, uh, I mentioned Jack Roslovic's name. 
he's being talked about as a prospect in Winnipeg circles, but I think he's nigh untouchable. He was just destroying the AHL this year, came up to the NHL and has played on the top nine as well as on the power play. He's got points and he's, he seems to be finding his niche with Matt Perot and Brian Little on the Jets' second line right now, and they're controlling play in a big way. I've heard him talked about as an untouchable player. Elsewhere, we've got our own Finn, Christian Veselainen in Finland, who's a little bit younger than the Boston prospect, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. But <laughs> Welcome Christian to our show. I know, oh my goodness, it's such an international game when I love it, but then sometimes I get tongue-tied. Um, at 18, he's almost at a point per game in Finland's Premier League and SM Liga in Finland. And that's unheard of. We don't generally have prospects that age that put up those kinds of numbers. That's Sebastian Aho territory. It's Patrick Laine territory. And it's just so hard to compare those guys because it happens so rarely. I'm not saying he's going to be those two guys, but he's somebody that Jets fans are very excited about as well. Do you think the Jets – is there some hesitation in Winnipeg that the West is so competitive this year that maybe even a big move like Brian, bringing in someone like Ryan McDonough might not be – the juice might not be worth the squeeze? Yeah, it's interesting because in Winnipeg, the, the philosophy since we came up from Atlanta was conservative, slow play, build up the prospect cupboards backfill with the with entry-level contracts and everything like this and that's exactly what they've done it has been a slow burn and it's finally paying off to this point but their cupboards are so well stocked and they've got cap space this year and next that they're not going to have any time after Patrick Liney's contract kicks in to me there's a lot of evidence that says this should be a little mini window in their mind not go for broke, make the Carlson or Tavares trade and, and really empty the cupboards. But that sort of next tier of impact NHL player like a McDonough, I think uh, would be a really good bet to push them over the top now. But like you say, the West is incredibly competitive and that's, it's good and it's bad. Um, I think it's wide open and that anybody could win it, but that means that there's lots of teams in Winnipeg's uh, division even that are looking at a little bit of an arms race. And I've heard, St. Louis uh, being connected to both Mike Hoffman and possibly even Rick Nash, but you'll know more about that. We had a blues writer on and she seemed, she seemed allergic to trading anyone of note for Rick Nash. (laughs) It was, it was, that's, that's the funny thing. And I wonder if you could bring some light onto this. I mean, analytics has taken a little bit more of a grasp on the NHL. I know there are circles of uh, the populace that still are, not wanting to accept them, but hockey is kind of evolving into kind of baseball territory where it feels like fan bases are more attached to their prospects than ever before. I have to say, I agree with you. I think that fans value future potential more so than they do um, the, the here and the now. And you know, I, in terms of just being a fan and, and getting caught up in the story of your team and sort of projecting how you see it going, I can see that. You get attached to your players. Um, and even as a writer, uh, it's, it's very difficult to come up with the exact, an exactly plausible trade suggestion. Um, but maybe because, like you say, analytics are, are, are really 
um, really coming to the fore. We might need to hold ourselves to a higher standard and maybe you got to twist my arm and maybe I, I need to say things like, you know, more than a first and a second for Ryan McDonough would be a, would be what's needed. <laughs> um, I, I, it's the reason why, I, and this is going to sound like smoke blowing up your ass from two guys that are subscribers of the athletic. But the thing I like about the athletic the most is I've never seen a website where the comment section is actually tame. I, I don't yeah, know if that's because ridiculous. I don't know if that's because people <laughs> realize they're paying money for it, so they want their opinions to sound smart. But it, just you you write an article, a, an incredible article about these guys the Jets might covet, and you suggest that they might only trade a first and a second for Ryan McDonough. If we did that on our website, which gives the power to anyone to comment on it, we would just be laughed out of the building. But on somewhere like The Athletic, it's, it's almost like a healthy conversation in the comment sections. It's incredible. Like, yeah, that's not enough. You're going to do yeah. a little more. Is that okay? And like, what? Where am I on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all been remarkably constructive. Yeah, I think that we've built a little bit of a community there. And maybe you've got the reasons for it. I, I don't know what to say. But, yeah, I look forward to the comments in a way that I don't think I do on any other site on the internet. So, yeah. Um, we're very lucky, I suppose. So far, to so good. This, to bring this kind of full circle, um, we've talked about McDonough. You're also one of the first people to even mention they, the Jets might be interested in Nick Holden. Uh, that just warms my heart to a level that no I can't idea. even imagine. You have no is idea. There something, is there something in Nick Holden's game that you see as useful for Winnipeg, or are, are you just trying to look at well, he's definitely a defenseman that's available. Also, side note, what can I give you to take him? There you go. <laughs> hmm. hmm. <laughs> um, I'll think of that one. I'll circle back to that one. I don't know what the New York microbrew scene is like these days. but Oh, it's pretty um, good. The... <laughs> Excellent. Nick Holden was somebody who, whose name I sort of got more so from New York's willingness to trade him. The fact that he's got an expiring contract and he's a warm body on defense um, with some history of offense. So Winnipeg's got a really strong defensive core right now, but it seems they can't go through um, more than a few weeks of the season without one important player being hurt. So they've been forced to use their seven and eight guys, Ben Sherratt and Tucker Pullman a little bit more than you'd want to. I think of defense as a strength for Winnipeg if everyone's healthy. Um, but Sherratt has had some moments uh, since uh, Truba has went down and he's seen his role go up that I'm just thinking that these guys could use a Nick Holden type, somebody who could sit if he needed to, um, but could compete for those bottom end minutes as well. And um, that's what I was looking for in Nick Holden. He didn't become my favorite trade target, but I wanted to talk about that reality. Yeah, and the weird thing today is you see someone like Michael Kempney get traded to the Capitals for a third-round pick, and I'm not saying it's a one-to-one comparison to Nick Holden, but I, I think that sets the price for what someone like Nick Holden could fetch in a trade, a, mid, a mid-round a mid draft pick, third- or fourth-rounder. Um, we had a long-running joke on the podcast that Nick Holden might actually be a winger because he seemed to score goals but couldn't play a lick of defense to Absolutely. save his life. Absolutely. His breakaways are amazing by himself, but that's the only thing he does well. <laughs> yeah make the switch brent burns them up we thought about it we tried we contacted the rangers they were like who are you 
If you want to get holding on the cheap, all you have to do is play his game tape from yesterday, and I'm sure the Rangers would be like, how about a seventh? It'll be fine. Listen, I wanted to ask you. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to ask you quickly. Are you oh, surprised that the Jets are are doing so well this year? Did you expect this from this team? I wrote a season preview that said I saw the Jets making the playoffs, so I was willing to go that far. I wasn't talking about home ice advantage. I wasn't talking about um, competing for first in the conference, which may or may not happen. Um, for me, I looked at last season they they did some things well via the fancy stats and possession rates but their goaltending was not good enough and my reasoning was um Connor Hellebuck has a track record that's so good I can't see him having two seasons like that in a row and um that was the one thing I was willing to hang my hat on that they're this good that the people like Kyle Connor and Jack Roslovic can come up and immediately make an impact no I can't say that I called that well, congratulations. It's been a hell of a season. You guys are in first place right now by two points. Uh, and you sort of had the Blake Wheeler, uh, I guess. Tell me about more Blake. He's kind of an underrated superstar, right? Not a lot of people know about him, despite him being so good. Yeah, that's the, the sort of uh, the vibe that we're, we're getting. Uh, Brian Little was asked about Blake Wheeler today. Because Blake Wheeler doesn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about Blake Wheeler. He, he shrugs those questions off, but... Brian Little was asked if he should be in the heart consideration. He said, absolutely, yes, he should be. Um, he is has been just under the radar in terms of point production over the last few years, but in the last couple, somehow near the age of, like, as he turns the corner of age 30, he's making a huge offensive impact. 51 assists he hit yesterday. When Mike Shifley went down to injury, Blake Wheeler became our number one center. And these are things that, normally people aren't able to do and not just become a number one center uh, immediately, but he did that while carrying a sophomore in line a and a rookie in Connor or then Roslovic as well. So that's something that veteran centers don't really necessarily do. So I think he's the pulse of the room. He's the pulse of the team on the ice as well. Um, and you know, the more that I name the players that are having major impacts, uh, it seems to me that uh, that the United States has been awfully kind to the Winnipeg Jets roster. Well, it's the least we can do. We gave you a team, first of all, from Atlanta. We might as well just load it up with Americans as well. <laughs> it seems to be the way the colors more or less work. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess the perfect note to end on here. Do you see the Jets making a blockbuster-type trade, or are they going to kind of work below the margins come Monday? If I had to guess, I would say that they go with something a little bit more conservative than what I'm discussing. I'm talking about guys like Ryan McDonough or Derek Brassard. I can't see two big fish landing. One would be really quite something, and that's just because of the conservative reputation they have. But when Buffalo was trying to sort of put in, I'll call it a tank job for Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel the season they did, they pulled off a really clever trade with Winnipeg where they got an injured Evander Kane in exchange for Tyler Myers and their other parts as well, including Zach Bogosian and the pick that became Jack Roslovic. But Shevel Dayoff, Winnipeg's general manager, he has the big trade in him. It's come out that one time since we've had this franchise. And I think it's time for them to do it again. Your guess is as good as mine if it happens. Well, I think you are our best trade target, so I hope it happens. So there's that. I feel like I feel like we match up really well. Like you said, your cupboards are stacked. 
You don't have to give away the entire farm, uh, especially because it's Ryan McDonough. You say is a tier below, which I sort of agree with you. Uh, and I, I just think hopefully uh, it'll match up and you guys can push the Stanley Cup. And if you guys do, you should come back on and brag about it. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Murat. You can uh, plug your Twitter before we go. Oh, hey, yeah. You can find me at WPG Murat. And that's M-U-R-A-T. So my at is WPG Murat. I'm claiming the entire city of Winnipeg to, to me and my name. That's a great idea. <laughs> that's nice branding. We'll retweet you tomorrow and we'll see you soon, hopefully. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Hey, we're back with our second guest today. We have Dan Ryan. You are uh, the site manager or the managing editor of Stanley Cup of Chowda. Chowda? Uh, com. You're, right. You are a Bruins writer. Welcome to, hey, congrats, congrats on the Super Bowl. Just want to let you know. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you have to let someone else win. So Yeah, but did you have to let Philly win? Yeah, come on, you man. Could, you no, couldn't no, let someone no. else win. There's a few yeah, times no, no, in no, life yeah, I'm yeah. rooting for Boston. That was one. It's tough because uh, on the one hand, it's it's nice to see a city that hasn't won anything and has nothing else going for it have some success. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, Philly, come on. <laughs> it's way more than oh, Philly, come on. I get it. Um, we brought yeah. you on today to kind of talk GM like we have this past couple of weeks with the, all of our guests. And uh, we're going to start right off with there's been a lot of rumors for Ryan McDonough and the Boston Bruins. Can you uh, elaborate on that at all? Yeah, so uh, Ryan, anything Ryan McDonough is a – traffic monster for our website so I, i'm at i'm at the point now where i'm i'm about to just title a post ryan mcdonald <laughs> mark and put it out there just to see if people click on it uh <laughs> Bru- bruins fans are from what i can tell just going nuts over this guy uh you know I, i've i've followed the league fairly closely i've known he's a good player for a long time um but for whatever reason this year, just fans seem to be latching on to him as it may be because he's one of the bigger names out there. You know, there's Evander Kane, there's the Eric Carlson long shot, I guess. But it seems like McDonough and Nash are the two big guys who are on the block. And I think it's partially because it seems like legitimate people think the Bruins are in on him this year. Uh, you've heard uh, Friedman has said that the Bruins in Tampa are in on him. LeBron has said similar. So I, I think it's just that that part of it is just that he's a big name who is a, is or you, know, you guys know better than me is or might not be available. Totally is available for all your prospects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he he's out there, he's available, and they're actually in the mix. So I think because of that, fans have spent you know two three weeks it seems like now throwing anything and everything at the wall in in the hopes of landing him. Uh, what I've noticed and what I'm sure you guys have noticed too, is that, uh, Bruins fans think that anything more than, you know, fourth round pick is overpaying for Ryan. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) Rangers fans think that anything less than Charlie McAvoy is an underpayment for Ryan McDonough. So, uh, it's interesting. I think, I think it's, it's fascinating because he is a big name and they are in on him. So I think it's kind of captured everyone's imagination here. Yeah. I, I will say this. Um, obviously you're, you were going to get the McAvoy name popping up once, once Ranger fans heard the Bruins may be interested. There's a portion of the fan base that's going to be like, Oh, Charlie McAvoy. But I think since then, everything, everything has kind of quieted down and it seems like there's a new, High mark and low mark that I think is pretty, I will say, reasonable. Um, as terms as the high mark goes, 
Jake DeBrusque's name has been thrown around enough now by people who know a lot more than myself or Ryan um, that it seems like DeBrusque is in play. And I, I don't know how that makes you feel. So, yeah, that, that one came out, I think, this weekend. And and some uh, uh, follower on Twitter or reader on the site, one of the two, pointed out that um, it was, I think his name is Jim Matheson, the Oilers guy. And I don't remember his first name, but he's the one who had that out there this week that the Rangers were calling on DeBrusque if, you know, if the Bruins are going to make an offer. But it's interesting because uh, DeBrusque's father does color or on-ice stuff for the Oilers or for Sportsnet West out there. So... Hmm. And Matheson's an Oilers beat writer. So, you know, it's kind of one of those, if there's smoke, then there might be fire things here. Uh, the interesting thing about him is that he's been kind of a polarizing guy from the beginning because uh, the Bruins drafted him in that first round where they did not draft Matt Barzell. Uh, so, yeah, I I, I, I like to – it, it, it was a mistake looking back on it. I actually like the brusque a lot, but you can't argue with the results. At this point, though, I've kind of just gone full heel, and I, I will say anything about Barzal just to make it sound like they should not have drafted him. So I, I like <laughs> I like going on Twitter and just pointing out that – uh, you know, DeBrusque did something in an overtime game. And, you know, you point out that Barzal did not score to help the Bruins. It's like the Sagan trade. It's such a bad decision in retrospect that you almost have to just go in, go all in and just full troll mode and support. Oh, yeah. at, least, so, at least you didn't draft Dylan McElrath instead of Vladimir Tarashenko. So you got that um, going for you. That went really well for us, yeah, but, in case you're wondering. But we, we could do this all day. At least you didn't trade Dougie Hamilton for a first-round pick and something else. So, I mean, the, the, Bruins, the Bruins haven't done great lately. But the Hamilton thing is interesting because part, part of me thinks that if DeBrusque was the ask, uh, you know, if say it was DeBrusque in a second or a first, uh, you know, pick pick a pick, to use a confusing term, Um they might consider it just because of what McDonough could probably do for this team. But the interesting thing about him is that by, by most accounts, they shouldn't have picked him when they did. And if you believe people who are in the know or were around the team at draft time, there, there are rumors that um, the Bruins weren't terribly impressed with Barzal's interview. Uh, something about, you know, and I, I think that what it is is the Bruins continue to overvalue grit and heart and toughness and all that stuff. Uh, well, yeah, who likes nerds? Nobody. Well, well, it seems like like Cam Neely. I mean, this is my own theory. It seems like in some ways Cam Neely is trying to project how he played onto this team, uh, and that's a whole we could have an entire podcast discussing that. <laughs> but um, for whatever reason, they they seem like they valued DeBrusque more than they valued Barzell. Um, so the, the the fact that they went out and got him, picked him, and have been riding him all season, he's done pretty well. You know, for 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 a rookie, he's had a pretty good season. Uh, makes me think they'd be hesitant to give him up, but they do have a lot of wings behind him. You know, uh, Ryan Donato is playing for the Olympic team right now. He's not exactly the same position, but they have a lot of young guys coming up where losing him, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt as much as it otherwise might. So it's interesting. I could see them not wanting to let him go just because they went out and got him and you know, and, and the guy they picked after him, Zach Senishin, um, not exactly lighting it up in Providence. So that kind of makes it tougher, too. It's like, you know, you, you end up having nothing to show for that. 
uh, three straight draft picks. So I, I don't think he's untouchable, but I think that it would be hard for them to trade him at this point. And then there's the the low bar I've seen where Ranger fans say, well, if that's the main piece we're getting back, something bad has happened. Uh, that seems to be Brandon Carlo. Uh, Ranger fans don't seem too enamored by him. Should we be? Can you sell me on him at all? Uh, and, well, it's funny because if Rangers fans aren't enamored with him, then then Bruins fans and Rangers fans have that in common because you will see. <laughs> I mean, it, you'll see the full gamut of of hot internet takes on Brandon Carlo from Bruins fans. He's either he's either got the skills and he's a good young defenseman who just needs time to put it together, or he's uh, you know Hal Gill two point oh. He's a big guy who doesn't hit and turns the puck over all the time and it, it's tough like you know to me if if the rangers are looking for a young defenseman to kind of not you know not fill uh, mcdonough's skates obviously but to kind of have someone in the pipeline who's who could step into that role then carlo is probably the closest the bruins have um they do i mean there's there's guys like uh What's his name? Zaboros down in Providence. He's he's not ha- he's he's doing okay, but he's not a guy who's going to be a centerpiece of this trade. I don't think um, they have Vakaninen out in Finland. They drafted this year, who's still young. But it, it seems like, and you guys tell me, the Rangers seem like they'd be more interested in a guy who can can help a little soon and maybe a lot down the road versus a guy yeah, who's going to take five or six years to show up and make an impact. So it, it sounds like the Rangers want a trio for McDonough, which is a young NHL ready player right now. Someone like the fits that role. Um, rightly or wrongly, the name that pops up with Tampa Bay has been uh Sergeyev Every time that conversation happens, uh, they want a young prospect as well, a good one. And then they also want a first round pick. They've they've set they've set the bar pretty high for McDonough, yeah. and look he's he's been battling injuries all year. Um, when he has played, it hasn't been pretty. I don't know how much of that we can blame on the fact that he's been glued to Nick Holden all season long, and uh, we can have a whole pot. We've had whole podcasts just grilling Nick Holden. We uh, <laughs> the whole podcast, like the whole series, is mostly. I that. really wonder sometimes what this podcast would be if we didn't have Elaine Vigno and Nick Holden just to yell at. Like, it what times. would we talk about? I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. But um, every team needs someone like that. You got to have a whipping boy. You got to have. Well, if you want Elaine Vigno, we can make that happen. I I, I truly believe. Let's that. not get carried away. I, I heard you like replacing <laughs> coaches. You know that's what you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what it's, it sounds like. If the Bruins really want McDonough, I think DeBrusque is going to be involved. And you mentioned Vakaninen. It wouldn't stun me if he comes up as well. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers may decide instead of a first round pick that. DeBrusque and someone like Vakaninen could be enough. Um, as a Bruin fan, would that be digestible for you? Are you ready to jump through this computer screen and completely choke me out? How, how do you feel about it's a Ranger fan being like, give me a young forward and want maybe your best defensive prospect? Well, see, the thing is they have the, – the Bruins have it's, – it's, this is dumb to say because it never really works out, but they almost have too many young forwards at this point. Um, and and who 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 works out and who doesn't you know is always the the guessing game. But they have, you know, they have DeBrusque in the lineup now. They have Danton Heinen in the lineup now. But then if you look at guys who are either on the fringe or who are are just about 
you know, who are a year away, maybe they're still amateurs or they're still floating around. They have guys like um, Anders Bjork played a little this year. Uh, he's hurt now. Um, and he's looked pretty good when he's played. They have Jacob Forsbacher Carlson down in Providence, who comes pretty, pretty highly acclaimed. They have a guy like Jesse Gabriel who went back to juniors. Um, and then they have other guys coming who, you know, including Donato, who, seems almost a lock to leave Harvard and, and turn pro this year. And then they have fringe guys who are NHLers, but there's no ice for them, like Frank Petrano, who was a prolific AHL scorer and is still pretty young. They, they just don't have the the space for all these guys. So, you know, if, if it, it it's going to be up to management to decide if they're going for it or not is the way I look at it. They're, this team's ahead of where fans thought they would be. Nobody thought they would be challenging for first in the NHL in late February. Um, so does that mean, you know, I, I've seen it argued, and it's not a bad point, that Char is not getting younger, Bergeron's not getting younger, Rask, Marshan, Krejci, they're all in the prime or entering the twilight of their careers. You sell a Vakinainen and a and a DeBrusque to you know say hey screw it let's go for it this year this is it there's no there's no juggernaut in the league if we get this guy we're gonna have the best top four of any team left uh, why not let's just go all in so it's not just this year too you're gonna get him for next year also so it's not just one run it's two well so that's one thing that that's the case yeah you get him for another year and you know this is I guess the leftover pre-2004 Boston sports fan in me, if things don't work out this year and start to go south next year, then you sell McDonough at the trade deadline next year and try to get, get a, you know, a haul out of someone you else. You probably so, get like 75% of the value. Yeah. You know, you, know, you use them for a little while. Oh, this didn't work out. Let's see if someone else will take them off our hands. But I, I don't know. I, I, I part of me says, you know, this has found money this season. No one expected them to be this good. Their their core, their their good core that has been with them since pretty much since 2011, at least since 2013, is, is running out of out of cracks at the can here. So, if if the Rangers say, you know, give us DeBrusque, Vakanainen, and a second, I don't know. I I, I just think it's it, it's hard to say no because as much as I like DeBrusque. They have guys who could probably step in, and then Vakanainen. It's it's not fair, but he's playing in Finland, and a lot of fans don't even know they have him. <laughs> so that would be a little bit more palatable for the Rangers. If if they want another defenseman, he seems like he's still a couple years away. So I, I don't know that he would end up being the centerpiece of any deal. Probably not. How much I wonder is is do you think there's additional pressure on the Bruins to maybe? pay a little bit more to get a deal done just to keep McDonough away from someone like Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it feels like if the Rangers play this right, they can more they can leverage McDonough against the two powers in the Atlantic and decide, hey, you want to win the cup this year? We got your defenseman. One of you decide to overpay us for this guy. Uh yeah, that, that I mean that's gotta be what they're doing. You know, it, it, that's it, it certainly doesn't seem to me to be a coincidence that whoever is, you know, leaking these reports or whoever the sources are, you know, just happened to mention that both Tampa and the Bruins are interested hmm. in Ryan McDonough. Interesting. So, you know, what, what, you can't blame if that's, uh, is Gorton still the GM there, right? He is, yeah. He sure is. I mean, is he though? Sather's in the background, but yes. See, that's why I don't know. I don't know if he's officially the GM or if he's the Sather's the but... president and Gorton's officially the GM. 
but I'm pretty right, sure so, the yeah. president is the boss of the GM. So that's true. Yeah, take it as you will. So 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 Sailor tells tells Gordon what he can and cannot do, but Gordon gets to make the phone call, so he feels important. I'm not sure what Gordon does because I'm pretty sure Av makes decisions over Gordon sometimes. So sometimes I'm like, I don't know if he's actually doing anything. So there you go. So. so- Basically, a well-oiled machine down there. Everything's running smooth. We're going really life, well. Life, life is great. Hey, have you yeah, noticed that I we're just... killing each other over Henrik Lundqvist this week? Yeah. Everything's good. Here. Yeah, we we hate him now. Don't you know? Oh God! Don't, yeah, we. So obviously, Lundqvist is you know has to be a god to, to Rangers fans. Yes, uh, but, but, <laughs> you would, you would think you well, would so, think so you're saying logical things. You 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 guys are Eastern Conference guys. You've seen the Rangers play against Chara for. For almost e- 10 years ever? now. More than 10 yes. years. And, and he is arguably the best defensive defenseman the Bruins have maybe ever had. I'm not going to go nuts here, but he, he's easily the best defenseman the Bruins have had in about 20 years. And every game the Bruins lose, you can find someone commenting on our site saying that Char should be traded and sucks. So it, it's it's similar to me and Lundqvist and the guy who, who's – you know, carried some of these Rangers teams to respectability and beyond. And then, you know, he starts to slow down a little with a team around him who's not helping much. And (laughs) that is an understatement. (laughs) And the crazy thing is he hasn't even slowed down. Like the rest of the team is dead. There there is no team around him. We have no defensemen and people are bitching about him. It's unbelievable. That that game a couple of weeks ago when Lundqvist got, got toasted by poor Tim Schaller, poor Lundqvist got toasted by Tim Schaller. And they showed him on the bench. And I mean, I mean, Brendan Smith got deked right onto the waiver wire in that game. It was a pretty <laughs> fascinating thing to happen. But and, you just, as, as someone who is as a fan of the league and of of the of you know the game of hockey, seeing Lundqvist on the bench, you could almost like see his soul leaving his body. Oh, the, just like what what am I doing? We let up seven goals to the Flyers yesterday, and the interview after is, if you ever wanted to cry, I got your back. That's what you would do. Go watch I that interview. I, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I can't. I, I don't think I can watch a, a guy who seems like a nice guy. I can't see that. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that you're right. Getting back to the original point of of Tampa and the Bruins, they they have to be. The Rangers have to just outweigh, have one out outbid the other. You know why not the the Bruins and. It's not like it's the Bruins and, and the Lightning in the East. There are plenty of other teams that, you know, Toronto could give a team trouble. The Bruins cannot seem to solve the Capitals for whatever reason. So it's not like it's a slam dunk. But, yeah, if if the if Tampa gets McDonough, the Bruins' odds go down drastically. If the Bruins get McDonough, then their odds go up drastically. So, yeah, you got to think that Gordon and Sather have, have the Bruins and the Lightning on – the other line on the phone at all time, just like, well, here's what they said. So I have a yeah, strong have feeling to... that the Lightning are just a little bit more desperate than you guys. And well, maybe... yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think that that's unfair because I, I will readily admit I'm not as up on Tampa's farm system as I am on the Bruins. But like I said before, th- this is, this is a surprise for most, pretty much all Bruins fans, except maybe the. The drunk guy whose name is probably Charlie, who spends all his days at the bar, who who said the Bruins are gonna win the cup this year, but he said that every year, so he's full of crap. But no, <laughs> no one expected the Bruins to be this good, and they're 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 set up to be, you know, better in years to come. Obviously, with Bergeron getting older, Marchand getting older, you know, it's not gonna be 
a smooth necessarily automatic transition but you know they're in good shape so whereas tampa I, I i mean to be fair i don't know enough about what they have coming through the pipeline but they seem like a bit more of a win now team where they were supposed to be this good so you know do they need to make a splash to say hey we're going for it to they have a healthy stam coast to say this is our year we got to try now so it could be that they're a little more desperate, but at the same time, the Bruins are in the in the position where like we're here now, you know. Yeah. You never know. But, we're going to be back. We might as well just go all in now. The Lightning are a year away from Kucherov becoming extremely expensive, um, and I think I I they I know they know that. Um, yeah. So if you want to try and win and have the flexibility to add a piece, and you think that piece is a defenseman like Ryan McDonough, yeah, I, I this is. This really does feel like their only window to add someone that impactful to it. Um, my honest to God feeling, I get the feeling the player the Rangers really want is Sergeyev. That it yeah. just, it, every, I, I don't have any, I'm, I don't talk to people. I, I talk to Ryan every week and I don't exactly classify him as people. Um, <laughs> I'm barely a human. <laughs> it's, it's a vibe I get that the number one guy in the Rangers wist wish list is Sergeyev and they're going to do everything they can to try and squeeze him out of the lightning. With that yeah. being said, I think the Rangers would be very happy with a, a package headlined by the brusque and someone like, um, Vakaninen from the Bruins. Like, I don't think if the Rangers decide they're not going to get Sergeyev, they're also not going to hold on to McDonough, but they're not going to take 80 cents on the dollar either. They're going to squeeze every dollar out of, either the Bruins or the Lightning. And it's it's up to it's up to you guys to fight it out, which I think is the perfect position for them. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I, I don't think and I know that they probably won't, but the Rangers do also have the, the Trump card of, you know, oh, we're just gonna we'll trade him next year. They don't they don't necessarily have to move him right now. Right. So it's not like a um a, a Nash Nash's contract is up after this year, right? Yep, Nash, Nash and Grabner are the two guys the Rangers probably oh, yes. feel like so, they have to so trade. Guys like that, you know, it's going to be – if they don't trade them, it'll be like when the Bruins did not trade Louis Erickson when he was his contract was expiring and made no effort to re-sign him, and then nothing good came of it. So those guys, you know, if you're a team like um, at Tampa or, uh, I don't know, the, the Blue Jackets or someone who's – interested in adding a forward you know the rangers are gonna have gonna want to deal them so you can kind of wait them out too but for mcdonough i mean if you have the two the two best teams in the atlantic division fighting each other over mcdonough and the but most anyone's willing to offer you is like you said 80 cents on the dollar then just hold on to until next year there's no you know I think that, that that's kind of the ultimate trump card for the rangers is they don't have to trade him so if they don't get a deal they like what's the point they they can kind of wait it out even longer than anyone else so it's going to be interesting to see what what tampa does with sergachev because like you said if they're going for it and they know that that they might not have kucherov much longer and that their you know big three line is going to be a thing of the past pretty soon that's a hard thing to sell your fans on that you didn't want to go all in because you didn't want to give up Mikhail Sergachev. So, whereas the Bruins, I think, like, you know, my opinion is that they're, they're, you know, we're not a patient bunch here. We want to see progress and fans want to see results. But at the same time, th this season has just been 
beyond anyone's expectations. So if the Bruins don't get McDonough, they, they win a first round series and crash out in the second round. It's hard to call the season a failure. And you kind of say, all right, we'll reload. We got some new guys coming and we'll try next year. Whereas Tampa, you know, as you guys said, they're more like, let's do this now. So they, they may be the more desperate team. Um, and the Bruins just have to be careful to not get in a bidding war with them where they don't necessarily have to win it. So, Well, I wish you the best of luck. You've only won 16 championships over the past 12 years. Congratulations. Um, I, I know you guys are desperate. Goes up to camp today too, so not a bad day for yeah. Boston. Congratulations on the great J.D. Martinez contract. It actually is great. I sound sarcastic, but it is very front-loaded and good for your team. So, well, see, see, I need to ask something about you from you guys, though. Yeah. I need to know what, what's what's the deal with my buddy Kevin Hayes. Oh, I fucking love him. So he, I mean, I'm I'm from Dorchester. I grew up about five houses up the street from him and his brother. Oh, that's so, funny. Uh, <laughs> I well, we had we had the interesting experience of having Jimmy on the Bruins, and I fiercely defended him uh, to my own detriment when he was here, and things did not go well. So. Uh, keep an eye on how Kevin's doing, and I know Kevin. He's, he's, Kevin has developed a lot over this past year. Uh, he had a very free agent, right? What was that? Say one more time. Restricted, restricted free agent. That is that is correct. Oh, yeah. And we're going to sign got, him. We've got a big fat extension coming up this off season. Okay. I, I would say, of the things the Rangers have to do this off season, the Hayes extension is probably top two. All so, right, good. So he'll be taking care. Well, you know, it's, it's he's one of those guys where it depends on how how full rebuild the Rangers want to go. You never know if they might start selling other people, but uh, he, he looks good in the Rangers Jersey. So I was kind of hoping he'd stick around. There. We, uh, we actually talked about this before you jumped on with us. There's been a, a, a mini debate going on among Ranger fans. If you, ha- it, it basically is if you have to choose between Kevin Hayes and JT Miller, who do you choose? Um, Ryan and I are firmly team Kevin Hayes, where it, it just makes more sense to build long-term around someone like Hayes than it does JT Miller. You could obviously you could build around both, but both are due extensions this summer, and Brady Shea is due an extension. If you have to choose, the Rangers should be shopping JT Miller three days and twice on Sunday before they shop Kevin Hayes. Well, my my father asked for updates on what Kevin's doing just about every other day, so I'm going to tell him that the <laughs> official Rangers guys say he is due for a big extension, and he will he'll appreciate that. I'm so glad you called this official. I'm going to cry, Dan. Th- I, thanks so someone, much for coming. So, yeah, you sound official to me, so it, it's good for me. I'll, I'll give fake, you. fake it till we make it. That's all we got to do. I, I need I need one thing though. Give me your gut. Where, is McDonough staying, or is he going somewhere, and where is he going? I would say he probably goes to the Lightning. Yes, that that's my gut too. I think that he's going to end up in Tampa. I think, I think, uh, I think, I think the Bruins blink first. I, I honestly think he's going to Boston. We, it's getting to a point where people are almost forgetting that Tampa is interested in McDonough because the rumors keep circling back to Boston and. If there's one thing I've learned from following the Rangers like I have is rumors only come out if there is actual truth behind them. So if we're hearing Boston as much as we're hearing, I think McDonough's going to Boston. Well, so see, here's what I can do now. I'm going to go on my computer and I'm going to say, Ryan McDonough. My favorite, my favorite official Rangers <laughs> podcast says McDonough to the Bruins. And then my my website people are going to go nuts tomorrow. So 
You're welcome. Oh, see, we're 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 um, content providers. We're trying to make everybody happy. That's what it's all about on the internet, right? Content and, and unnamed sources. That's all you need. <laughs> I love an unnamed source. They're the best. I mean, if if so, if a trade does end up going through and and Debrusque ends up in Manhattan, let me know and I can give you guys a scouting report on him in a couple. Oh weeks. yeah, if a trade happens between the Rangers and Bruins, uh, it's not even me asking you to come back on. Yeah, I you're, expect- you're coming back. Well, I, I have to come back for a, my my Kevin Hayes update too. Oh yeah, so of course. I need, know, I know I need to know what he's doing now. <laughs> so I can tell my father what's going on. Yeah, let your dad know. Listen, uh, plug your Twitter real quick before we get out of here. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Bruins Hockey Now. It was my my old website that I made before I became semi blogger legitimate. So don't laugh too much at it. But yeah, <laughs> Bruins <laughs> Hockey Now. All right. Uh... Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, uh, what is the website going to be called? Bruins Hockey eventually. Like, I, really cornered, <laughs> I cornered the market on on witty Twitter handles. So I'll, I'll keep it for now, though. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. If you're in the Stanley Cup, you're definitely coming back on too. So uh, yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon, man. Appreciate thanks. It. And we're back. Another set of lovely interviews on the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Gotta say, not just toot our own horn, but are we the best? I think we are. Um, (laughs) We're we're I know how to to find them. I pick them up and put them down. All I got to do is uh, be nice to people on the interwebs, people that I actually like, and they'll come on the podcast. I'm actually we're official official now, so life is good. Two things before we get to who the f is Blue Shirts Breakaway. I'm amazed people say yes. First thing, people are like, "Yeah, I'll come on." Like, what? You sure? Second, Dude. second, we're never invited on any other podcast, and I wonder why that is. <laughs> to be fair, you know what the crazy thing is? Yeah. Um, first of all, Alex Doherty, our, our natural predator bro, he invited us on his podcast, and we just haven't, haven't pressed haven't, him on it. I haven't done it. That's true. He did invite us on. Uh, we've been on the Knicks wall, first of all. Okay. Props to our boys. Shout out Corbo and Maggio. Getting a beer with Corbo next week, by the way. You're gonna you're gonna be with Corbo. I'm gonna be in Chicago, so he hit me up. He was like, "Hey, hey, baby cakes." He didn't say that, but I'm paraphrasing. That's okay. Um, That's okay because you are Corbo and I am Maggio, and I will be that beautiful human being any day of the week. They're both beautiful. Anyway, um, so yeah, we've been on that podcast. I've been on bantering the blue shirts, so that's fun. What was I really? I've been, I've, I was on the Garden Faithful once upon a time. What's that? <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> oh, we're mean. Anyway, the blue shirts breakaway. Who the f is blue shirts breakaway? Is sponsored by Noose. Uh, and Again, bringing it back twice in one show. You know that's the thing about nooses; they usually don't get more than one run. You know what? You know what it's really doing, uh, Greg? It's really hanging around. Hey. Oh my god! So speaking uh, of which, floor really came out of, fell out from the bottom of that joke. Huh? <laughs> that was bad. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that was a slow burn. You finally got there, didn't you? Oh, like, wait a second. What does he mean? Oh, oh. the mental image. I see it now. Oh, it it's just fine. it just came at me. Yeah, uh-huh. slow uh-huh. and painful. You're breaking my neck, Greg. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Suicide hotline, hang seriously. In, hang in there, buddy. <laughs> Who the F is Bush Breakaway? I uh, grew up in a very interesting home that we'll get into one day. But it had <laughs> but it had uh, this sort of foresty area next to it where I would play and play pretend and, you know, do space monsters and, su- and such and such. In this foresty area was a broken down, like, sort of capsized boat. Uh, and I would jump off that boat on these vines. I, th- I hmm. thought this was a good idea. There was vines hanging down. I was like, oh, cool, vines. I can swing because I'm a kid. I jumped off these vines one day, and I went to that capsized boat, and a nail went directly through my foot. Hmm. And let me tell you, Greg, uh, when it comes out the top, it is not pleasant. No, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, te- two tetanus shots later, I'm still okay, and I still have a foot. Congratulations. But okay. the moral of the story is don't jump on capsized boats. Awesome. 
Um, all right. So if we're doing physical injury as our theme for who the F is breakaway today, mm-hmm. I've broken one bone in my life and it was my pinky toe. Um, I credit the fact that I've only broken one bone because I'm an avid milk drinker. Love it. Would I think I'm the one person in the world that can do the gallon challenge and feel perfectly fine about it. Um, I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, if we get enough money on Patreon, we can do it. No problem. Oh, we're getting we'll there. Get there. We are Plug getting it. there. So here's how I broke uh, the one time I broke a bone in my foot, my pinky toe. Uh, I was getting ready for baseball practice. I was probably I was probably in the 12 to 13 range. Um, I grew up with a French bulldog. His name was Tonto. He was Tonto. the shit. Tonto. But he was uh, – he was a horny little bastard because we never cut his balls off, nice um, thinking that we can one day breed him. Never did. Never did because he shot blanks, I should add. We tried to breed him. Didn't work out for the poor guy. Uh, anyway, anyway, putting Tonto on blast. R.E.P. That guy was a legend. Anyway, Tonto. getting ready for baseball practice. Tonto, as he was one to do, uh, decided my leg made for a good bitch. This is you how you mean. broke your pinky toe? Yeah, because I didn't want Tonto humping my leg. So I ran away from him instead of acting like a human being and just telling him no. And as I'm running away from him, looking behind me as this mutant is trying to chase me down, all bug-eyed and ready to fuck, uh, didn't see the couch coming, slammed my foot into the foot of the couch, uh, snapped my toe. Mm. I am now on the ground withering in pain while having my leg fucked by my horny French bulldog. Um Thought I was invincible still, got up, walked it off, thought I walked it off. You don't know how important your pinky toe is for balance until you finally go to baseball practice and you realize, oh, I can't do anything with my foot because my toe's broken and any movement I do makes it hurt. Right. That's how, um, that's how breaks work, but yes. Yep. I took, I took the field after warming up because I didn't have to move much warming up. One ground ball was hit to me at third base and I crumpled. Just, just fell on the ground. And the coach is, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, I, I, something broke, coach. I don't know what to tell you. And that was the end so, of yeah, your career. Yeah. Broke, broke, my only broken bone is because I didn't want to get fucked by my dog. And, so, there you go. Good job by you. It was, it was. Moral, be- of, the sto- moral it, of the story, broke my broke bone and got fucked. It was, so, it was before 2018. So I think you were doing the right thing. Um, <laughs> listen, let's talk a little bit about our meetup that we had last Tuesday. It was a great, uh, uh, last Thursday. It was a great meetup. It was a bad game. We talked about the Islanders game where the Rangers got 50 yep. shots and lost yep. miserably. Uh, yep. But we got to meet a lot of great people. Uh, first great off, time. first thing, shocked at the amount of people that showed up. Yeah, I actually surprised anyone showed up. We So we, we will say, uh, Ryan and I fudged the numbers a little bit and invited our college friends just to make sure that we wouldn't be hanging out we didn't want to be, by uh, ourselves. Yeah, it could have been cool hanging out alone, but we, we invited a little bit of our friends. We, we, we invited a buffer crowd. Um, we didn't need the – I love our buffer crowd. Didn't need them. We had enough people otherwise. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, uh, not that – I can't list everybody's name. Yeah, I, I don't want to be like, if I missed you – I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just want to give special props to our friend Brian Doyle, who is, as you, as you would say, Ryan, uh, my friend, Brian Doyle. My friend, Brian Doyle. Here's, here's, here's a guy who lives in Albany, New York, like I do, and he commutes to the city every fucking day. I don't know how and you do it, Brian. I can't tell you guys how fucking far and annoying of a commute that must be on a daily basis. Uh, I, you can tell us it's miserable. 
Anyone it's can miserable. Ever. The only way I, I'm excited because so Brian is going to come on for a personalized podcast eventually because he is in that range now. And uh, the first <laughs> question a, I want to ask you want to say he's a Patreon subscriber. There you go. He's a Patreon subscriber. Is is he taking Amtrak every fucking day? We got to know. Like, what is what is he doing? He, he's not driving that. There's no fucking way. That's too much gas. Anyway, I, I won't let him drive that. I want to give a shout out to the some of the. He doesn't take the train. I want to give a shout out to the other people we met. I'm definitely going to miss some people. Met Ian. Uh, he's, he works for the Rangers doing some, uh, filming and media. He was an awesome guy. Got to see our yep. website designer, Dean. Always love seeing him. Love seeing Dan LaRose. Got to see yep. a, a good friend of ours, Phil, who showed up. Phil. And told, Phil, who told us we made a difference in life. And I was like, what, man? We <laughs> also almost got Phil kicked off a train once because we made him laugh too hard in the quiet car. Right. Uh, then we met Carly, who's come on the podcast before. Big Carly Redpath fan. Everyone should be following her work anyway, but, uh, very nice of her to show up and, I would say she was yelling at the screen the most. Yep, I would say so. She's she's meeting Bush Devish this week and uh, met Steve and a bunch of other people. If we forgot yep, you, I'm so Chris. sorry. Oh, we met we met Chris. We met Aaron. We met uh, Emily Travis, who had the fucking tweet of the night. <laughs> Just the the guy who fell asleep in our section because the game got yeah either the game got too boring or he got too drunk and he's passed out. It's her only tweet, and she just goes, "Great party." That guy. Uh, <laughs> Asked me for my phone number afterwards and said he could sell tickets on our podcast. And I said, sure. Oh, you said, sure. <laughs> where am I? Well, you have these conversations. I'm, I, I'm I, I know where you were. Anyway, um, so it was a great meetup. I don't know what you could possibly uh, mean. I don't know either. What's so weird? Um, I, I, I'm, we're going to do another one. Definitely not this season. Oh, uh, hell no. But uh, we, next- might, we might even do, you know what? You know what would be really fitting for the what, podcast? What's that? We do a meetup for a Met game in like July. That might happen. <laughs> that, uh, that'd, be, that'd be amazing. That actually, I'd have an awesome time. That might happen. Stay tuned. Or a Yankee game. No, it has to be a Met game. Uh, we'll it's see. funnier if it's a Met game. It's definitely funnier if it's a Met game. We can do both. Who knows? Um, definitely next next season, guys. Pay, uh, stay, stay tuned because we're going to do at least two or three of those. Uh, met a lot of cool guys that wanted to do it again. Guys and gals. And uh, we'll definitely be doing that. So that's that's stay tuned. Uh, before yeah, we go, and, uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I definitely want to talk a little bit of baseball, just a tad. Hot stove heating up. Hot stove heating up. JD Martinez, a front loaded contract, five years, hundred million dollars, hundred ten million dollars sure. for the Red Scott. Hundred ten. Hundred ten. And uh, it's actually a pretty good contract, it, despite the the Red Sox having a two hundred thirty seven million dollar cap now. Uh, who cares? Which, right. Who cares? They don't care. They have, they're made yeah. of money. Uh, right. But here's really what I want to talk about. The, well, sure. quickly over J.D. Martinez. Good impact bat. They really needed some power in that lineup despite having plenty of hitters. Not a lot of power in a league that is drowning in power now. Um, so they had, you know, not the most. They have a potent lineup, but they didn't have anyone that was a finisher, I would say. Is that fair? Uh, J.D. Martinez is going to do great with the Green Monster. It, that is a perfect ballpark for him. He will be a great He's going, he's going to crush. Absolutely. But what I want to talk about now is, you know, I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. So you want to talk about Jason Vargas now? I do. Uh, I don't want to do that at all, actually. But that's a good signing. I I love it. Um, Just do it quickly because I know we're crunched for time here. I love it because it's going to force Seth Lugo, hopefully, to go to the bullpen and become a super reliever, which is what I've been just dying for him to be for the last year. Fair. I think that's a good value signing for the Mets. It's great. It's I, it's the left-handed, less sexy Bartolo Colon. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know I'm a Yankees fan for life. Definitely since I, definitely since I was born. No definitely. big, no bigger Yankee fan than me. But in another mm-hmm. lifetime, mm-hmm. There, there may have been a few years where I rooted for a team named the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. Tampa Bay Rays. The Montreal Rays. 
And they, they sell the A and the Y in Bay. So yeah, I okay. So I did root for the Tampa Bay Rays for a few years. I got off the Yankee train when I was born a Yankee fan. I was just got discouraged by everything That's that was right. going on. I definitely right. left. I'm afraid. Yep. I'm not afraid to say it. Yep, you I, wanted a root for the team that originally drafted John Franco. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I fell in love with the analytics. I fell in love with Evan Longoria and the way the team mm-hmm. Joe Madden and the th- everything was run. Friedman, the whole deal. Yep. The Rays are now officially a disgrace mm-hmm. to baseball. Oh my! Uh, How about that? They are nearing the Marlins in levels of what the hell are you doing? First mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they trade Evan Longoria, the face of your franchise, on a very team friendly deal who's still performing, not to the same level you probably expected, but still performing for Mm -hmm. a mediocre package to the Giants. The Giants, Mm. listen, that's, you know, we have different different opinions on prospects. I think that's... No, no, no. I was making the noise because, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, they did that. Uh, And (laughs) I'm sitting here like, that's the phrase of your franchise. What are you doing? And at least get a good return if you're going to trade that guy because the the contract is very friendly. Right. And it's also one of those things where if you're trading Longoria... The trade everybody else. Like, yes. There's there's now no reason to hold on to anyone. Exactly, but instead of trading everyone else, we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a second. They trade mm-hmm. Jake Odorizzi for the 27th best prospect in the twin system. Now, and if if people are wondering, oh well, I'm sure the Minnesota Twins just have a deep farm system. It's a good farm system, it's but not I wouldn't call it deep. It's not the Yankees. It, it's it's the equivalent of if if that guy was a Met prospect, he'd be somewhere in the 22 range. And if that guy was a Yankee prospect, he'd be somewhere in the 40 range. Yeah, even the 50. So they're like, here's Jake Odorizzi. Give us X player. And I'm not saying Jake Odorizzi is some sort of uh, amazing pitcher. He definitely had the prospects to become a solid second or third starter. He's probably more of a fourth. Uh, He has great strikeout potential, and his ERA has been pretty good uh, throughout his career. But if that's what you're giving up for a $6 million Jake Odorizzi, what were other GMs thinking? If that was the price... What were the Yankees thinking? I don't understand. How many? Here's my thing. Okay. Um, I, I didn't feel this way until we started talking about this. Outside of the Yelich trade, how many times have we said this, though? Like, that's it? That's the price? The package the Cardinals gave up for Marcelo Zuna, embarrassingly low. The package the Rays got for Evan Longoria, embarrassingly low. Um all the, I mean, we don't need to talk about the Stanton trade because it was a salary dump. But if you just look at the players involved in the Stanton trade, embarrassing. I do like Monta Harrison, but another time. That's fine. Oh, I mean, I'm a big – no, but he came over in the Brewers tra- – the Yelich trade, bro. Oh, he did? You sure? Yeah. I'm oh, saying right. the Yelich right. trade is the one trade where I'm like, all right, now that makes fucking sense. Okay, you're right. You're right. They, they got Brinson. They got Harris. They got Eisen Diaz. They got, a, they got a truckload from the Brewers. That's the one trade where you look at, and that's an old baseball trade. That's a – that's you backing up the prospect truck to get the guy you want. But every other trade that involved what we thought were decent names, they've all been underwhelming returns. And I feel like every time we have this conversation that it's just, that's it. That's all it took. But at the same time, if that is all it took, so many, I mean, the Orioles could have used Jake Odorizzi. Oh, the Orioles for have four team. pitchers. Are you kidding? Uh, well, they, they signed Chris Tillman today. He's the, the fourth. ERA. Um, the the Giants, if the if that's all it takes to get Odorizzi, why don't you just get him with Longoria? I don't understand. Like that that was it. So that that's not even the worst offense. Here's the worst offense. They, the DFAing of they uh, DFA'd Corey Dickerson, who was one of, if not the best hitter on the Rays last year. 
got so here's here's where I think that might actually be a shrewd move. Hear me, me out. Please tell me. So they now have 10 days to trade him. Otherwise, he goes to waivers. Been, and been a few days already, but yes. They have about a week to trade him. Um, otherwise, he goes to waivers, and the team with the highest waiver priority can claim him. Now, teams know where they fall on the waiver priority. That is not a secret list. So if you really want Corey Dickerson, you now have seven days to go fucking get him because whoever the number one team is on the waiver priority, that isn't the Tampa Bay Rays, is going to claim Corey Dickerson because he has value, and that team will know that even if they don't want to play him, they can trade him. So in a way, you're forcing every other team to be like, you got seven days to give me your best offer, and if your best offer was just to eat the money, we'll let some other team eat the money. I just So like, I, I actually think it's a, it's a kind of shrewd move. because if you're It's a tank, if you're, but if you're telling your fans, it's over. I, I think the moment you traded Longoria, you were telling your fans it's over. I just th- you're getting rid of players and you're not even trading them. Uh, and you're, what you're trading them for, it's, it looks like you're not even getting the return you should be getting. That's what's so upsetting. You're not. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Chris Archer now. You have to trade Chris uh, Archer. Yeah, you have to because the value is sky high. Uh, and get it? no, it? it's actually not because it was last year and we didn't trade him. <laughs> you, you, no, but even then, we, we just decided Jake Odorizzi is worth the 27th best prospect. Yeah, I understand Chris what's Archer. Better, worth? But- yeah, he's probably worth what the twelfth. Oh <laughs> like, I would throw up. I'm not going to get. You're going to get the Arizona Diamondbacks' twelfth best prospect. Uh, no thanks. Um, <laughs> I just and and not to to drive it all home, they announced a new Rays blog today. The official Rays blog is now called the Rays Tank. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, are you kidding? So, <laughs> so they're tanking. All I'm saying is, fuck that team, man. It's it's really sad what they did. So at the same time. They're the fifth best. Even if they kept all those guys, they're the fifth best team in that division. Yeah, <laughs> you can make you can make the argument that maybe they're better than the Orioles. So fine, they're the fourth best team in that division. Right. If they keep all those guys, it just seems like oh, a lot of cheap money saving moves, and you're not getting the return. I just don't understand. So, uh, yeah, I, it's I, been I, a weird fucking off season. I've abandoned that team. I think that was clear. I abandoned them a while ago. Uh, I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned. I've abandoned my child. And I feel really good about it. And I know that's sports bigamy, and I don't care. I'm going back to my roots. And I've been that way for a year and a half. So, Look, all I know is Mickey Calloway talks one more time about dry humping. I'm not going to have any fluids left in me. All right, man. We're going to end this podcast on that note. Love you all. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. We've had a great week there. Uh, Join our Patreon if you like us. That'd be cool. Later. Peace.